This is episode number 384 of the Inner Fight Podcast. This is the first show of 2018. We are super close to 400 shows. Andre, we might have to do a special show for 400. I have some big guests in mind. <laughs> I have some really big ones. Oh, really? Not just me and you. <laughs> a well, topic one. <laughs> welcome back to the show, folks. As always, a big shout out to our show sponsors, Smith Street Paleo. Make sure to keep reviewing the podcast. If you haven't done that yet and you listen often, you should feel really bad. It's 2018. You don't really have much to waste your time on. Get doing it. We want a review. Get us in iTunes and tell all your friends about us. We'd really appreciate that. Today, we have a special guest, a new coach, Amanda. Hi, guys. Hi. Uh, <laughs> Welcome great. to the show. Thanks. Welcome to the show. Andre's just told us that he'd a- he's actually already done this show a year ago. So Almost. First y- time. <laughs> not first time, but last year you came to Dubai for DFC and you stayed with me and Natalie for a few days. Yes, correct. And yeah. then we went to that restaurant. Um, Meat Company. Meat Company, with yeah. The view over the, the bridge. bridge. Yeah. It was really nice. It was actually a setup. He trapped me. He was like, <laughs> oh, we'll take you for dinner. And then he asked all these questions I didn't want to answer. I so. just gave her the whole list. Really? What do you want from life? You're Five-year plan. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, do you ask? Do you have like a uh, like a strict like go-to set of questions that you ask everyone that you meet for the first time like that? Pretty much. Of the order, the, the, or, the order is not said, but the questions are. What are the general questions? What's your top three or four? What do you want from life? Where are you <laughs> going to be in five years? And last one, what's your definition of success? I think that's. Do a good you one. care about the answers, or are you just? You, why, why do you ask those questions? I only care about those answers. The rest, I don't really care about. <laughs> I never gave an answer to those questions, but we're still really? friends, so I guess it was not too bad. So, so it's not. <laughs> so it's coming we're today. Still <laughs> we're still waiting for We're it. still waiting for those answers but one why, year later. I, it, it, this is a serious question to you. Why do you ask those questions? One of the questions you asked me before I got this job. <laughs> and I was like, oh, never actually really thought about that. <laughs> what do you want from life? And I just thought it was such a great question. And I think there's so much small talk going around. So yeah. if you just get like those three things set on the table, you know where you have the other person. Yeah. And you know sure. if that's a person you want to spend time spend with or not. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you think, Amanda, when you sat down at the meat company? This guy, this weird Danish guy just goes. I was like, fuck, he's so intense. What is going on here? I just want to enjoy my meat. Did he get really close to you as well? What do you want from... No, you asked him quite relaxed, don't you? Just say how you'd say it. What do you want from life? (laughs) No, man. And he looks at you straight in the eyes and he's like, Amanda, what do you want from that? Really? Is that it? Hi, nice to meet you, Andre. So, can we get the answer? (laughs) We might. So, what did you say to him when he said that? I honestly, yeah, I probably didn't answer. I think I said I was not going to answer. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Did you still pay the dinner? No. Yeah, (laughs) good man. I left right away. (laughs) (laughs) Just going to the bathroom. I'll be back in a short while. All right, that's a no. That's a no. Three no's. Well, on my list, doesn't count. Then (laughs) absolutely. Let's rewind a little bit, Amanda. That's when you guys first met. But before that, give us a little bit of background on where you're from, where you grew up, and what life... This is quite deep as well. I asked you this, actually. What life was like for you growing up? Um, Okay, so I come from Switzerland. I was born and raised in a small town very close to the mountains. So growing up was a lot of outdoor activities, anything from biking, biking and cycling is the same. Um, cycling. I did ice figure skating when I was a kid uh, growing up. There's going to be a story there. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. See? Oh, my God. <laughs> this is terrible. Learn something new. See? Um, yeah, figure skating. I also did um, karate, horse riding, a lot of different sports, yep. skiing in winter, all of that. And then I picked up dancing when I was about seven. 
Um, and when I turned, I think, 10 or so, that was basically the only sport I was doing. What sort of dancing? Um, mainly <coughs> modern jazz, but wow. also ballet, hip-hop, ballroom, tap dance. We should definitely oh, do wow. a special part of the video version where you maybe do some. Next week, Coach to Coach, we should coach. do dance lessons. Holy shit. No. Dancing is a warm-up. So from what age did you say you mainly did that? Um, I started at six, but when I turned about 10, I think I was basically only dancing. Really? Yeah. Why? I don't know. I was I was a very active kid. I think my parents just wanted me to do a lot of things to be out of the house. And at some <laughs> points, they were like, okay, now we're tired of driving you, driving you around all the time. You need to pick one. Right. So I picked this one, and I just stick with it until I was 22 when I stopped. 21, wow. 22. Yeah. Why did you stop? I moved away from my dance group. So I moved into a new town because I started going to university. and. Right. Part of the dancing, it's a very community-based sport, actually. Yeah. Uh, we had a good group. We were dancing the whole time together. We spent our weekends going to shows, competing together, traveling together. And when that started to fall apart, I realized, actually, it's a big component of why I enjoyed the dancing. Yeah. So it just didn't make sense for me anymore. <laughs> Yeah, that's big community sport sounds yeah, like. That's sounds familiar. That's familiar yeah. <laughs> Except the dancing. <laughs> you said something there like your parents were said, okay, you have to pick one sport now. Tell, talk to us about the role your parents played in your life early and pushing you, or how did they get you into doing things like dancing? Um, I think I was the very active kid. My brother was not. He was into right. computer games. He was into. He was a bit more introvert. I was very extrovert. I right. liked being outdoors, doing things. And I was, I think, just really too active for my parents to be able to handle me, especially for my <laughs> so mom. So you're quite annoying. Like, Get out of the house, do something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they were happy with me wanting to try all sports and doing different things. So they were like, okay, if you want to give it a go, yeah, give it a try, but you're going to stick with it for at least a year because we paid for it now. So you better go and attend. And <laughs> if at the end of the year, I was like, okay, this actually, I don't like this one. Then I was allowed to move on to something else. Did you feel pressure? No, not really. I not think at all. No, not really. Ah, that's good. Yeah. No, I was just trying to figure out because it, the way that you said it, like your parents said, okay, now you're going to choose one sport and that was going to be it and you chose dancing. Like that's that's super cool. I just wonder, like at the moment in, in our society, kids have a load of different sports and I think a lot of kids, especially within our community, are quite lucky that they can do a number of different sports. Yeah. And I just wonder if kids are pushed or not pushed enough on one sport or not. I don't know. I think like if the parents are like, very competitive athletes like such as I'm not generalizing but for example in China with weightlifting or yeah. like some of the co countries where sp specific sports are really big yeah. they really try to push the kids into sports from an early age on and there's a lot of like family pride and also economy behind it Yeah. but I don't assume that dancing was like your parents was like Amanda is going to be the family hope she's no, going to make it no, to no, the no. top and she's going to pay <laughs> her pensions it was quite the contrary actually because when I turned 16 I got a scholarship to go to the US um, oh, wow. to attend a university and major is in that, dance you didn't know that either no. mate she doesn't tell me anything this is terrible we'll, we'll <laughs> she doesn't tell me anything together by the way you need to you need to this step up your, book. you need to step up your questioning I'm going to bring the microphones home we've been on 7 minutes 26 seconds and I've already got 3 stats <laughs> that you haven't got anyway <laughs> sorry so you got a you got offered a scholarship to the US yeah to attend um, university and major in dance but my parents were not too keen hang on you can major in dance you major in arts really yeah wow and did you go no why my parents didn't want to. Really? Yeah. They didn't have to go. 
Yeah. No, but they didn't <laughs> want to pay for it, so ah, okay. <laughs> that's a bit different. Because so this scholarship only goes like away, but then you also need to figure out living expenses yeah, and all of that stuff. So yeah. it wow. was, yeah, it was. It w- they just didn't see me having a career in that because it's not safe. Yeah, uh, it's not like you don't know what kind of income you're gonna have if yeah, you're actually right. gonna have a job when you go out of there. So they were like, I think it's cool as a hobby, but. They would rather me do Is that something. what you wanted to be? So you're growing up so from, from early teen years, you're dancing, dancing, dancing. Is that what life was going to be? You were going to be a dancer, was it? Or was there something else? I don't know. I kind of, I liked it a lot as a side thing. It was cool because next to school, I was basically, so it was easy for my parents because they didn't have to worry about what I was doing or where I was. Yeah. I was either in school or I was dancing with my friends. Wow. And I started to make money actually because we had paid shows. So yeah. I was almost like semi-pro. Wow. And we actually started making money, so it was kind of like as a teenager, it's pretty yeah, fucking it's cool. Very cool. You, do, yeah. you do what you love, and then <laughs> yeah, you get paid yeah, for it, and so you're you like, paid, yeah. "Great, this is awesome!" And yeah. then you start to think like, if this is something you could do for a living. But I think also being Swiss, like I've been raised in a way that you need to have like a like a proper job and like a secured income yeah. and like that kind of stuff. So. What? Let's jump into that because there's a lot. There's that's a, a big lot, topic right there. There's a lot of, I would say preconceptions about swiss people and things like that let's jump into and and the timing thing and all of this other stuff and but let's jump into that what were you expected like you you became a dancer and you became very good at it were you expected to still be an a-grade student as well what's the what's the expectations i think school was more important than the dancing really it was always it had to be a top one priority but i was a pretty good student so I think as long as the studies were fine, my parents were happy with me dancing 20, 25 hours a week. So they were like, that's fine. Really? You danced 25 hours a week? Yeah. That's crazy. Were you a good student? I was a great student, yeah. What were you good at? Uh, Math. Numbers. Yeah. I hated like French lessons. That was horrible. I was pretty good with English because I traveled early on also for the dancing. So English was pretty easy for me. Yeah. German was all right. Um, And anything with numbers, economics, math, I was like... That's really? Yeah. That's what you enjoyed. Yeah. What language did you learn growing up then? What was the first, what's your first language? Uh, mother tongue is French. Right. And then the first language we have to learn in school is German. Right. Because more than half the country actually speaks a version of German, so yeah. Swiss German. Yeah. And then I picked up English as of, I think I was 14 when we started studying English. But right. I traveled um, for the dancing and I, I went to the US and so on. So I picked up a lot of English. So you speak three, three languages fluently? Two and a half. German is half. Really? Yeah. Dre, how many languages can you speak? 2.77. Fren- <coughs> French is 0.7. Mate, your French is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's my English, mate. <laughs> oh, the 0.7's your English. That's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, you speak French as well. We have um, yeah. s- French Saturdays at home with yeah. Dre. So really? that we can practice, but there's Yesterday not was a big day. No, it's not been. We practiced a no, lot. we didn't. Really? She wasn't there half the day. Oh, she went away when you were supposed no. to be practicing yeah. French. He just is supposed know. to do Such that a great every weekend. Support group. <laughs> Try to build a support network of French people and then yeah. they help. Just leave me. <laughs> but you, do you speak to Natalie in French? Nope. Not enough. You told me at one stage that you do. I told you that we probably do on Saturdays. <laughs> and then. And that never happened, really. We, we try. Let me put it that way. This the we need to try harder for next year. Natalie try and speak to you in Danish? No, but she actually tried to pick up Danish through Duolingo, which is a super cool app um, that I also use for French. Um, Yeah, you you can just put like five to ten minutes a day. You can choose different levels. Yeah. And it'll just be like a course, super similar. It's free, any language. It's pretty cool. It's it's really good. 
Like, but also, uh, Natalie speaks German. Yeah. Yes, she does. So you yeah. could speak. She is 3.0 language. She's 3.0, just three flat. She's, she's done it. Yeah. She's got it. Yeah. So you could actually do Saturdays in French, Sundays in German, Mondays in English. Don't talk for three days, and then you're back to the start again. That's pretty much yeah. it. That's what, that's what we do. Saturday is yeah. I, I try to train like seven times, so I'm not home. <laughs> so you, you don't have to go through it. Maybe we should have French days here at the gym. That'd be cool. Yeah, Jonesy. <laughs> Jonesy, Jonesy would be super happy about that. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. I'm not sure Ben would be so happy either. No. Anyway, let's move back to the dancing. I was thinking, did you have any role models? Your, were your parents active? Uh, no. So my dad was work. Um, when I was a kid, my dad was working. My mom was at home for a long time, okay. so he was basically working a lot. We didn't see him so much. My mom was taking care of the kids, but she's never been really active. So I was the more active kid. And then growing up, my brother started to pick up sports only when he joined the army, actually. Okay. Um, so that's when he became really active. And now he probably probably can kick my ass on most workouts that don't involve weightlifting. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, yeah. He's really fit, yeah. But who did who did you look up to when, when you were younger? Like, was there, is there a head of dancing? Like, sorry to sound ignorant, but I don't really know, like, how you know in sport in football all boys sort of look up to nowadays to Messi or to Ronaldo if they're complete losers and stuff like that but what when you're in a sport like that that's very different who do you look up to who do you look to for inspiration I think we did not look up to someone in particular but more right. to institutions or dense schools that were known to be very successful or have a really good reputation yeah pretty much like football guys yeah. would look at a club yeah we would look at dance studios or like really? institutions yeah but so you didn't have like this one person no it wouldn't have to be in dance it could also be you know other other things such as yeah what about in other sports or in other parts of life who did you look up to as a role model that's a very good question I martina navratilova sorry <laughs> do you even know who she was uh, no, ballet dancer maybe by the name. You guys both don't know who Martina Navratilova <laughs> is. Are you trying to speak French right now? <laughs> <laughs> sounds more Russian. She's actually. actually uh, I I think she's actually was German. Let's check her in Google. She's like one of the best female tennis players of all time. Oh okay. <laughs> I don't okay. know. It was just someone that I thought of. I only know one tennis player. Who's that? The Swiss guy, Roger. Roger, yeah. do you know his surname? Yeah, Federer. <laughs> okay, Roger Switz. <laughs> Tennis, what? But what, um, what, was there someone that you did look up to? Was there, like, in other sports, did you sort of see, like, okay, Michael Jordan and go, wow, I like, I like some of the things that he does, or, or you just didn't care? Actually, no, not really. So where do you find your inspiration for training yeah. 25 hours and being this is a good student? Where I'm trying to get to. <laughs> <laughs> She's actually from the Czech Republic, Martina Navratilova. Okay. Yeah, with a name like that, I thought she must be somewhere Eastern Europe. She was world number one for a total of 332 weeks in singles and a record 237 weeks in doubles, making her the only player in history to have held the top spot in both singles and doubles for over 200 weeks. How long ago was that? She was born in October 1956. Ah, I think Dre and I are just too young. Explain something. She, yeah, she was born in, in 56, so she's like 60-something. So okay. she turned pro in 75 and retired in 2006. You guys are like all 12 years old. That's why you don't know. Anyway. She could be my grandmother, but that's another story. Back to Dre's question. Um, sorry, what was the question again? Where did you find your inspiration to train 25 yeah. hours and still be a super good student in school? I think I was just really in love with the sport and with the dancing, and it made me feel so good because it was... It's like studying is 
it's cool and it's fun and I kind of I liked it. I was okay with it, but then getting the physical part of it was very I like the physical exhaustion, not just being mentally like spending days or hours reading books. So I think it was a good balance between both. And I just enjoyed getting better. And it's kind of like if you compare it to CrossFit where you have gymnastics, weightlifting, different like aspects to the sport, it's the same in dancing because ballet is very different than modern jazz than hip-hop than ballroom than all these things and they're very technical yeah so it's like there's always something else to learn from and to pick on and then we started competing as well so we had like group practice on the weekends um getting ready for a world championship and things like that so there was so much more that was going on into like the dance practice that it was it was a lifestyle okay did you have like a coach or a teacher that was like super inspiring or like really dragged you into the sport or was just completely internal like motivation and inspiration no we had so we had a we had a dance teacher that was she was my main teacher for all these years and she was the head um, choreographer as well for many of those years and she was the one that kind of got us into this and like the u.s was a big dream when you thought about dancing you thought about broadway so you thought about new york because she had been there so she was kind of giving us that sort of inspiration and vibe as well. So we did a lot of cabaret because she was into that. Okay. Um, so she was a big inspiration. And then we had a big group. We were about, I think the, the bigger group was 20 to 25 people. And um, yeah, there were like some team leaders and things like that. So it was it was really, really like the best years of my life. As a teenager, I could not have had anything better. Did you, did you see an end to it? You said you stopped at 22. When yeah. did it start coming to an end? It's or was it quite abrupt? <laughs> no, it was kind of... So when I moved to university, it was a yeah. different city. And I could not drive home every day for dance right. practice. It would right. take too much time anyways. And it just got to a point where I realized, okay, this is never going to be my life. I will never earn money with this. And How old were you when that happened? I was 20. And do you think that happened because of the society put those thoughts into your head? Or when you look back now, do you think you could have made it? Because I think there's a lot of kids or young people or that are now grown up now that look back and think, shit, I shouldn't have, you know, I shouldn't have believed what, what my friends and my family told me. I should have just gone for it because I was super talented. I, was, I could have been that person that I wanted to be. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, Just wondering. Yeah, I was <laughs> in the beginning. I was a bit upset with the whole like dropping it. Yeah. Um, but I also attended a really good school, and so I'm not unhappy with the decisions I made. I don't know if I could ever have become successful, like be that one special. I really don't know, and I don't want to think about it now because no, no. it doesn't matter not. really anymore. So, um, I, I really don't know. But okay. it was it was the right thing to do. Yeah. And also, I think it was the right thing for me and for my family. So, Where did you go to school and why did you choose that school? So I went to um, Hospitality and Tourism Management School in Lausanne, in Switzerland, which is one of the best hotel schools in the world. I was going to say, isn't that where everyone goes? Yeah. yeah. Like, that's the, yeah. Yeah. That's the okay. one. That's, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah, that's the so one. much Euro knowledge. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> 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 Carry on. So that's, that's where you're at. Yeah. So what was the goal? When you went there, when you moved to there, you're like, okay, I've been in dance for 10 years. It's been my life. I love it and stuff. Slight realization starts to kick in that maybe that's not going to provide you a career. So you're moving to a new town. Where's your mind at now? Um, Did you think that this show was going to be anything like this hard? No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the show notes were all fake. 
<laughs> we haven't followed one <laughs> single point yet. Um, I think at the beginning it was a bit of a struggle because you've been doing something for so long at yeah. such a high intensity. And then all of a sudden it's like, it was just hard. Some people were like, oh, man, you should try to just dance like a few hours a week. But it's like when you've been at that level and you've had so much practice, oh, uh, then yeah. going to like two hours a week is just like, Impossible. It's like no, nah, it yeah. doesn't work. Yeah. So that's when I started to become lazy. Um, I focused a lot on my studies and I was still pretty good at school. It's a, the school is also very well known for parties, which <laughs> I didn't take part in. He didn't know that. Um, <laughs> I know that. Because okay. they're very young, the people. Yeah. Like, or they're young. 18. Yeah. Universities are generally quite young. Places. My brother went there. He was like the oldest dude. Because yeah. we don't fit. We can't start university before we're like 22. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but that's, that's so those different. Like so she would be 18. Yeah, I was, I was 19. Yeah. Dude. Your culture is completely different to the rest of the world. That's true. Like we go, to, we all go true. to university at eighteen, yeah, or nineteen. I wouldn't want that. I know, but my dad turned around to me and he said, "If I let you, because we can have what they call a gap year. If you have a year off, he said, if you have a year off, you won't go back. He said, go to uni and finish it and have the rest of your life off. But that's why everyone's so young and parties at universities. Yep. Basically, it's yeah. for party, mate. You, you, it's Immature. like a few <laughs> lectures between a load of good parties. I'll tell you another time. We'll do a show on it. People will be what really do you interested. do at those parties? <laughs> you ask yeah. people about their life goals and <laughs> what do they, where do they see themselves in 10 years? Yeah, they're probably the least asked questions <laughs> I ever <laughs> So you're in hospitality school. Yes, I am. So it's a four-year program. The yep. first year is very practical. So actually, it's a, you spend time in the kitchen. You spend time at the bar serving people. You spend time <laughs> see, there there you go. Go. <laughs> just on the wrong side of the bar. Uh, you do everything, housekeeping, you learn management. For me, it's a good side of the bar. Yeah, right. Um, so you do all these things and then you go on for an internship yep. for about six months. Then you come back to school and then you have like three years of proper like management school. And that's what you wanted to be. You wanted to be in hospitality. You wanted to be in catering. What did you want? Um, I... So my uncle and my aunt always owned uh, restaurants and hotels, yeah. um, small where I came from. Yeah. And we spent a lot of time with them growing up as well. So I was very exposed to this. And I kind of, for me, there was a strong sense of caring when you deal with food and people. Yeah. And to this day as well, I have still this with baking. I like to bake for people because it's a way of showing that I care for them. You've been, up, you've been, you've been, up. You've been yeah. here three Dre, weeks. Dre, I've not Dre's seen happy. anything. Oh, Dre has. Uh, Oh, that's okay. why you haven't Sharing. seen anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So do you want it to connect two people through that? Yeah. I think the whole like offering good service and yep. caring for people is a, was a very, it was very satisfying and there was a lot of instant reward from that. Yeah. However, it's a very hard industry to be in. Yeah. Right. It's a lot of work hours. It's, you have to be truly passionate about it if yeah. you want to stay there because you'll be working when everyone's having their time off. Yeah, and having a good time. And having a good time. And drunk. Yes, yeah. and not all guests are easy. No. S- depending on the culture as well, it's very different. So, Do you think people generally are... <laughs> I, this is what I think. I think people generally, when it comes to being customers in, in getting service, are becoming... Dicks. They're just absolute fuckwits. These days. Yeah. Like, I, I saw on the airplane last night, I saw a guy just literally throw his menu back at this air hostess. And I was like, like, who are you? Like, it's horrible how people treat... Like, if someone gives you bad service and is a dick, then I think you should not be very nice to them, but in a, in a nice way. There's no need to be, like, super rude, but you can be quite cutting. And, but d- 
was that something that you sort of thought of when you were doing this catering? And did you sort of think? Yeah, I think sometimes it's really hard because you have people treating you like complete crap, yeah. and they don't realize that actually you're you're a student and you're studying yeah. business, and they're like, you're just a waitress, and you're like, no, I'm not. And even if I was. Like it's that's, no, okay. There's, there's, that's okay and there's yeah. no reason for you to treat me that way yeah. the customer is always right yeah and that's really hard I think you <laughs> learn a worst. lot about self-control and be yeah. like okay how can I turn this situation into a good one yeah. and worst case scenario like I just leave it at that and that's fine but did you like, ever lose your shit with someone no do you ever spit in somebody's like <laughs> coffee or <laughs> in that face and you was every morning you like, I know that yeah. <laughs> Uh, Andre, uh, coffee's ready. <laughs> I've been saving this one the whole night. So let's keep piecing this together. You, you finish up this catering degree or this degree in hospitality school in one of the coolest partiest cities in, in Switzerland. Where do you go to next? Um, where did I go after that? Um, I started working. Did you get first? Did you get, uh, did you get like the top grades? Uh, I was top three. I was the third one. Loser. Yeah. Like um, top three of the whole school? or <laughs> um, Yeah, of my whole year. Of everyone called Amanda. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Thank you. I, I was not top three in my school at all. And I didn't at any stage want to be. But that's a whole different story. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's like being book smart is not like... It's cool, but it doesn't yeah. mean... It like, doesn't mean anything. It just doesn't mean anything. Well, it, it does. It means something. It means you can work hard. I actually think... Uh, yeah, I think it shows a, a big discipline to work and I actually think it shows, I mean, it's obvious that if you get super good grades that A, you've worked super, super hard or you, you're naturally smart, mentally quite yeah. smart, which I did neither of those. Anyway, this is about <laughs> you. Carry on. Um, so straight after school, I started working Yeah. Um, and I started working in events. So I joined an event management company. And I was doing, it was a lot of corporate events, so conference seminars, but also Christmas parties um, for big companies. Like it could go from 50 to 500 employees wow. with like concepts and decoration. And then we were kind of coordinating the whole thing with catering. Like we had different providers that we work with, but I was basically doing that um, for, I did that for about a year and a half, I think. Okay. Um, and then after that, I joined the Football Federation. Uh, UEFA in uh, they're, they're also oh, wow. based in in Geneva, well, close to Geneva in Neil. That was close to my house at the time. Um, so I worked for them for a project that lasted about six, a little bit less than six months, and then I ended up in Dubai. Wow, wow, that's so. When we let's look at that because you came to Dubai to coach CrossFit. Yes. Let's talk about that. How did it all? Not the Dubai part. Let's, we'll come to that after. But how did your whole as everyone calls it, journey in CrossFit begin. How did it change your life? <laughs> Bro. <laughs> always, always this question. Um, so I, when I stopped dancing, I just started university and I didn't do much for about a year and a half, sport-wise. Mm. Um, a little bit of gym, but nothing serious. And I was seriously getting lazy and fat. Um, and I was not too happy with that because I had always been so active that I actually... Like, didn't need to worry too much about how I looked and stuff like that. But that started to change and I was not happy with that. Yeah, right. So, Andre knows the story about how I started CrossFit when I was in London. Um, mm. I was there for an internship for six months. And, an yeah. In internship doing what? Um, I worked for a startup. Um, okay. As part of my studies, we had to do an internship there. So, oh, wow. Yeah. I worked for, their f I worked for them for six months and I started CrossFit there. 
uh, it was not going too well with the guy I was sharing a place with. Yeah. So I just wanted to be out of the house. And yeah. I found this CrossFit gym that was far from work and far from home. So I could spend no time at home. At home, wow. And yeah, that's how I started. What was your first impression? What was the name of the gym you went to? Uh, CrossFit London. Okay. Where was that? Uh, they had they have two boxes. One the one I was going to is in Vauxhall, yep. so south of yep. London. Okay. Um, they have another one somewhere. Why east. did you go to a CrossFit gym? Because I had heard about it before and it sounded badass, and it was like I feel like this is gonna seriously kick my ass. Yeah. So. And what year was that? Two thousand and thirteen. Right. So four yeah. four years ago, yeah. you've heard about this thing called CrossFit, and you go in. What's your first impression? It was um, so the the box itself was in a under the railroads in yeah. one of those arches, so yeah. it, it looks very shady, and the yeah. area was also very shady, so it was kind of like hard to get to, and it was there was a lot of party people is and Swiss girl. Yeah, is, is that the one? And you go down like so, you go off the main road, and then you go down this lane, and then you turn left, and it's on the right. No, <laughs> hmm. no, because I don't think so. th- then they have no. That's why I asked you which one. It is, because there's one, and I'm pretty sure it's called CrossFit London, or it might be called CrossFit Central London. Uh, that's a different one. Uh, ah, yeah. that's different, because it's also under the railway arches. Yes, yeah. there's yeah. a lot of those boxes down there. Yeah, there yeah. is now. Anyway, carry on then. And, um, yeah, it was just really, like, shady and weird, yeah. and there were, there were no changing rooms. There was two bathrooms, mixed, male, female, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. There was one shower. See, I can imagine that this was carnage, because I'm going to stereotype completely. Swiss dancer goes into CrossFit shithole. <laughs> like, it yep. must be... A, it would, you'd have been freaking out, right? Yeah, I was a little bit, but I came there because I wanted something different. Yeah. And I basically got what I was looking for. Really? So, the the program was a bit different that you had to do seven sessions of fundamentals, basically. Yeah. Um, but these were classes. So, you had to go to a class where they would teach you to squat for like an hour. Really? And the next class would be snatch. And you had to advance from level one to seven. And then right. you graduated and went into classes. Wow. So, you did the seven classes like seven hours back to back. No, <laughs> I, but I did them all in like almost a week. I actually yeah. took a day off and I went to work on a Sunday instead because right. those classes were in a schedule and you could not like uh. find your way around it. So I asked my boss to have a Friday off and I worked a Sunday instead <laughs> so that I could finish those classes. Yeah. And what was it that you liked about it? It was a bit raw, a bit rough, a bit different. What, why, why was that what you're looking for? Um, yeah, it was, it was hard. It was different. I was really bad at it. Really? Yeah. I was because I was very flexible. Like we had that conversation with Andre once. How as a dancer, I'm very mobile. Yeah. But I don't have a lot of. I didn't have a lot of control. Like right. You can move in different directions, but it doesn't mean you're stable in those positions. Like yogis. So, yeah. We're basically talking about how we're talking about sports backgrounds for different sports. Yeah. For CrossFit especially, and we we spoke about how dancers, if they're what are the benefits and what are the things they would lack in CrossFit when they start. Right. Like. We, I think one of the things that you would pick up movements pretty yeah. quickly. Because so body awareness was, yeah. a, was a plus. Like yeah. yeah. When they tell you, like, get your knees there or hinge you or hips back, you're like, okay, I know where my body is so yeah. I can feel those things. Yeah. But then I wasn't strong at all. I was, like, not very in a good shape. Yeah. Um, so that was it was actually hard, yeah. But enjoyable? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was also a good way when you're new in a city yeah. and you don't have friends. Yeah. Well, you m- go and make friends. Yeah. And it was a lot of people from the UK, actually, because London is a big city. There's a lot of, there's a big French community, which I tried to avoid as much as I could. I can understand um, that. Yeah. 
And then you actually, I actually met people from the UK and it was really cool because then they would do things on the weekend and inv invite me to come with them. Yeah. And I was like kind of finding local. friends. Local. <laughs> yeah, it was like local. <laughs> but uh, it was kind of cool. Yeah. So I started hanging out with them and I'm still in touch with like uh, most of them. Wow. Yeah. That's super nice. And what, when was it that you decided like, okay, this thing, um, I like this. I like the physical challenge. I like what it's doing for my social life, this, that, and the other. When was it? When did you start to think, actually, maybe I could make a living from this? Um, so when I Two came... Two weeks ago. <laughs> just, just before you gave me a job. <laughs> uh, so when I came back to Switzerland, I found a gym that was quite far from where I was studying. Yeah. But it was on my way home, so it was not too bad. Right. Um, so I started going there more and more. And then it kind of started to remind me of... Because I used to teach dance classes as well. Because I was yeah. dancing a lot, but I was also teaching. Um, and it was like, actually teaching CrossFit is not that different than teaching a dance class because you right. teach people how to move. Yeah. Uh, you teach them a choreography or something and yeah. you teach them a workout. So yeah. it, it was, there was a lot of similarities yeah, and right. the way to cue people was very much similar as well. Yeah. So I started to pick up on that and then, yeah, I coached as a side project, um, next to work yeah. in the beginning and then where? Uh, CrossFit Riviera, Switzerland. Okay. Yeah, that's where I was training, basically. All right. And then the whole Swiss Alpine battle came, and then I was getting uh, more, yeah. more and more involved. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. Then I ran a massive competition, no big deal, and then... <laughs> yeah. Talk to us about that, because for, the, for those folks that don't know, you're one of, if I explain this right, you're one of the founder organizers of Europe's, I'm going to say it, she premier CrossFit competition. She is the the founder, but there was a few of you. Yeah, there was there was four of us in the beginning, right. um, the first See, year. Do you know anything? Marcus, she, Marcus she came knows. to me like I knew that uh, there was four. I'm the founder, buddy. <laughs> <One of> <laughs> <them>. <laughs> I she was on it with me. I'm the founder. To, to, when was when was that founded? Because it, that's something that's actually really huge. What you what you've been part of creating there as well. When was the Swiss Alpine battle? Because you started CrossFit in London in 2013. Yep. And so it's quite quick, this whole progression, right? Yeah, so Swiss Alpine, the first year was 2015, right. uh, September. Right. So we started planning it, I think, probably around December, Jan, the year before. Yeah. Um, and basically, so it was three guys from our gym. It was the head coach and it was two other members that were like, oh, we want to do like a team competition and it will be in, in Villar in the mountain. It's a great like scenery. It's yeah. going to be team only. Um, you're pretty good with English and you're good at talking to people and responding to emails. Would you like to be part of the team? And <laughs> that's it. And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Really? And then it started growing and then I reached out to sponsors and then it grew and grew. And the first year we had pretty good athletes already coming and competing. Yeah. Like who? Um, Matt on, Fraser. Andre. Oh, Matt <laughs> Fraser. <laughs> yeah. So like he came with Brooke Enns. There was Sarah was there, Sigmund's daughter as well. Wow. Um, with Lucas Esslinger, there was like a few, it was a few, like a mix of really good athletes and, and like European decent athletes. So, yeah, Have that's how it started. Have you ever been I haven't qualified, man. I've tried <laughs> last three years. That's a lie. Really? No. Do you think maybe you could get a little bit of a backdoor entry this Boz year? Boz was here the first year. Yeah, Boz yeah. was, yeah. And you weren't. I'm expecting to get some VIP tickets. Like a wild card. <laughs> like a, yeah, that's what I mean. Scale division. <laughs> Who's this guy? Oh, from the desert. <laughs> <laughs> Random dude. So, you, so let's keep on putting it together. You're involved in organizing this and you, you want to be, but you were, you went back to Switzerland to work though, because you were, you were doing your internship in London when you sort of found CrossFit. 
Yeah, and then I had to go back to finish my sc- my university right. anyway. So I went back to Switzerland yeah. and I started working. And also because I was working in events, the guys were like, she probably knows a little bit what she's doing. Yeah. So they asked me to join them to organize the event. And that's when it kind of started. But you were still studying? I think I was Almost already that. working at that point. So you're working another job outside of CrossFit or inside of CrossFit? Outside of CrossFit, yeah. The events. Yeah, the event, the event yeah. job. Yeah, because right. I graduated in uh, June 2014. Right. And then Swiss Alpine was 2015 September. 2015. So like around December, I was six months into my job that when they decided to do this, and I kind of did that on top of At coaching. At what and point did you think I want to be a CrossFit coach or I want to be in that environment 24/7? That's what I want to do. I don't remember having like a moment or like uh, this is what I want to do. I yeah. think it kind of like evolved. Yeah. over time um, and the more I was involved in the community the happier I was Right. and that was not necessarily the case before and right. I realized if this is making me so happy then this is something that I want to have in my life and yeah. I want it to stick around So, what was it that made you happy about it? I think um, the fact that you I always liked the people interactions that's why also in the hospitality industry you're kind of like it's a service industry and for yeah. me crossfit is kind of the same when you're coaching you're actually providing a service absolutely so there's way more that goes into it than just the service itself or just the coaching itself it's how you treat people how you care for them how you listen to them and for me having that kind of interaction with the people was something i always wanted to have yeah um and then seeing what kind of impact or difference it can make in someone's life yeah. to be happy and healthy and like have a support group because people in the gym meet each other and then they start doing things together outside of the gym yeah and that's a big thing for me it's like you actually found people that have the same lifestyle so yeah. it's easy if you tell them you want to go to bed at nine because in the next morning you're going to wake up at five and go for a 10k run yeah whereas if you're with people that tell you oh but come have a drink stay out or if you go home and they're like oh you're like such a bummer you're like this is not the kind of people you want yeah. in your life you reach really. a stage where it's like these people they don't have a place in your life anymore yeah exactly and yeah. you start like your circle of friends start to change as well so you just surround yourself with basically the people that inspire you or challenge you in a way yeah and i think that's that's kind of what happened for me it's been quite quick though what's happened and i think it it seems from what you've said that your skill set sort of played in quite easily into like there was a competition to organize and i mean that's part obviously part of your role with us and everything's kind of happened very i don't know i I feel it's happened fast for you because you've worked obviously you've worked hard and stuff so fast forward two years or three years if it keeps going at this rate, what will be the state of your motivation and, and also sort of what you want to, where do you see, where do you see yourself? She, she's had time to prepare this question. Now. I know. She, she knows that she's this had longer than a year. So. You've asked this question multiple times. Andre but do, asked this too do, many times. do you think, mate, and it's fine to say you don't even think about that. Do you think about that? Do you ever sort of sit and go, holy shit, in, in 2013, I was just doing an internship. I just wanted to get away from, but from what I can hear, a load of shit in my life. Like I didn't want to be in the house, and I didn't want to be with these French people from my my school. So I just went to this dark place in London that had one shower, shared chain rooms. Like when you put it together like that, it's sort of you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. suddenly, sort of. We're literally, and then you finish uni in 2015 comes and you launch Swiss Alpine, which within two years is the biggest European CrossFit competition or the, on the third year, yeah. which is two years later. Like you must, do you not sometimes think, wow, what, that's been a pretty good ride. 
it's been a great ride and that's why I'm really happy with where I am right now. But I must admit, like, I don't have a very clearly defined five-year plan and, like, this is where I want to be. Obviously, I want the Swiss Alpine to keep growing and mm. I'd like for this to become even more successful and bigger and eventually also financially, like, yeah. Uh, stable that it can run on its own because we still have a lot of sponsoring and like it's not always easy with the money side yeah, when you run events sure. like that yeah. um, and I think on a personal side there's so much more for me to learn with how to deal with people yeah. I think the people side of things is like Andre knows I'm not always very open and easy to talk to so you're Swiss I'm Swiss yeah, very it comes close. with the territory. Very close, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm English and we're rude. It's just the way it is. Yeah, I think to some extent it is. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's like when you meet those people, then you also kind of evolve as a person. Yeah, for sure. Um, and there's a lot more for me to kind of bring, like my level or my game needs to really go up in that, in that area. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of things I have to work on. Andre, you've got a question there. 2018 goals. Let's hear it. <laughs> what are your plans for 2018 other than a lot of baking <laughs> French Saturdays that you're going to attend that not run attend. away from yes. <laughs> third <laughs> third um, definitely running Swiss Alpine again I think there's added challenge now that I'm in Dubai Yeah, because it's not easy to have a team back home that has to like stay motivated and on track when you're not there to kind of like give the input and the support that they need so that's a big challenge um, I know I trust the team, so that's good. Um, I'm not too worried about them. Um, another goal would be to have, like, my back has been in pain for over a year now. Yeah. Um, I'd love for 2018 to be the year that I'm pain-free again. Uh, that'd be a pretty awesome because it's so frustrating not being able to train when you spend 12 hours a day in a gym and you see people doing cool shit and you're like, oh, this sucks. Yeah. Uh, so that that's a it's not entirely dependent on me and I know that so I just have to focus on what I can do around it um, and doing different activities as well to just be happy with with my current state um, and I'd like to go back to studying actually I want to I probably want to take the GMAT uh, this year uh, that's a test that you attend when you want to do a master's or an MBA further down the road um, I miss studying really GMAT so, yeah GMAT Okay. It's, a, it's just a standard test. It's like those English tests to assess your level. Then that's a more of a like a strategic thinking um, yeah. business test that you do. And then it allows you to enter certain university. I think I'd like to study management further down the road. Um, so, yeah, maybe after I'm 30, I could do an MBA or something at the same time as working. And uh, if I do this test now, it's valid for five years. So might as well just get after it. Is that in the Swiss system? No, it's actually an international thing. Is it? Yeah. I won't be doing one. <laughs> I actually thought they that. They should have like crossword tests. Like I actually Fran, th Fran, Fran, Fran or if you, you can do Fran under three minutes, you good. can basically just do what the fuck you want. <laughs> 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 like well, they have that for CrossFit level two, level three, level four, all of that stuff. So yeah, that's, that's also just to make money. They don't teach you anything good there. So <laughs> we <laughs> have. That's what I heard. Fitness. You want to improve. Yep. You want well. You want to get a pain free so you can improve in your fitness. Yep. Career wise. You're planning to just test so that yep. you essentially at some point can do the masters? Yeah. Personally? Um, work on friendships. Friendships? Yeah. Okay. There's a, I struggle with keeping in touch with people from home. Yeah. Um, 
it's quite hard for me to like manage the relationship over distance and there are certain people I really care about and I want to make it work so I know I have to put more effort into maintaining that relationship and making sure that they're okay with the way we communicate so okay yeah, that's the goal as well do you have any other you want to travel or you want to do this or you want to do that I need, I know you're you're taking your nutrition super serious I try yeah I try it's It's not easy because it kind of goes with the training thing. So obviously, the more you train, the more you can eat. And right now, I don't eat much because I don't train much. Yeah. So that's a bit frustrating, but it's okay. It's it's what it is for now, and it's like it's trying to dial this in now. And then when I can get back to training, it's going to be easier because this will be taken care of, or it will become like automatic. Yeah. Is your back painful when you ride a bike? Uh, yes. Don't ride one then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about running? Um, good days, bad days. It depends. It's pretty much anything, isn't it's it? It's pretty much anything really? at this point. Sure. So, except climbing. I went climbing yesterday. I was pain free. So, Spider Woman. Yeah, mate. To wrap it up, you've obviously met quite a few interesting people along the way so far. If you could leave the listeners with one piece of advice that you found to be the most helpful, what would that one piece of advice be? I think that not being afraid of taking a step forward like it's better for you to take a step forward and fall and fail maybe than to think about it for too long and then the opportunity is gone because yeah. I think I've always been probably being Swiss very careful and like you have to weigh the pros and the cons and you do a SWOT analysis before you do anything mm. and it's like sometimes with life it's it's okay to think about it but at some point you need to go for it yeah. and if you try maybe you'll fail maybe you won't but there's only one way of knowing is to actually trying I agree So I think that's a really good bit of advice. Yeah. I actually think I wrote something about something similar to that the other day in that we just don't make any decisions these days and we just sit around thinking about it and then asking people who actually don't really give a shit anyway. So we're asking someone if you think it's a good idea when they don't really care as opposed to just doing it and if it works, it works. And if not, well, we learn something from it yeah. as well. I like that. Very good. Cool. Thank so you, Amanda. French Saturdays. French Saturdays. You can come if you want. Bonjour, bonjour. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you very much. That's been the first show of 2018. You'll see Amanda around the gym. She might teach us some dance for our, uh, for our warm-ups. <laughs> We've seen Stranger Things. Amanda, thank you very much and all the very best with us here at the gym. Thank you, guys. Andre, you've got a lot of guests lined up for us. Some super big names you've yes. reached out to. So let's see how that goes for the shows in the year. As always, folks, if you want any topics discussed, if you have any questions, please mail us winning at innerfight.com. And we really do appreciate you tuning in to the show. Until next time, take care.